Talking Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. Welcome to the Everything Leaves podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza. Nick, the Leafs are 2 1 and 1 since we last recorded. We had that 2 1 heartbreaking loss to Montreal. We had an even more heartbreaking loss to Ottawa where they blew the 5-1 lead. We had a big 2-1 bounce back win. But tonight, let's start with the big 7-3 win against the Ottawa Senators. A blowout. They were able to take care of business when it was 5-1. What were your thoughts on tonight's game? Well, I think that it's... I thought it was hilarious in the first place that they got into the 5-1 situation again. (laughs) And then... Within 10 minutes, Ottawa scored, so obviously the deja vu was coming in. Uh, but I thought they took care of business tonight. Obviously, they, they were absolutely dominating that first half of the game, and then obviously Ottawa kind of had that pushback when they uh, had that 5-2 goal. Um, but then it was nice to see Nylander and, and Tavares get goals tonight and Mikheyev, so uh, definitely a big win and obviously a big win for Hutchinson. But I do let, let's get into the three stars right away here. Um, who's, your, who's your first star on the night? You're gonna let me start. I'm gonna let you start. I want. I wanted to uh... throw a curveball at me. Okay. So I know there is a player in the Leafs who's scoring a lot of goals right now, but I'm actually gonna go slightly off the board, though not much off the board, with Joe Thornton. He's 41 years old. He had three points in the first period. He had, and I know it's a one. We're, we're doing three stars just for tonight, but. We go back this full series, goal and assist against Ottawa in, in Game 1, uh, an assist in two disallowed goals in Game 2, and then the goal tonight on the muzzle-tip shot, two nice assists, uh, both on Matthews' goals, both primary assists. So i got to go Thornton. It's just been so fun to watch him play. I think the last podcast, we weren't sure if we wanted to go back to that Thornton-Matthews-Marner line because they were doing so well with Hyman, but I know it's Ottawa, but this is... Pretty much the exact start you could have hoped for with Thornton returning from injury. So I'm going to give him the first star. I think it's so fun to watch him play. Um, and I'm just loving watching him in Toronto. The teammates seem to like him too. So that's my first star. Yeah, I can't go bad with that pick. I think I really love watching them cycle the puck. I, I haven't seen a Leafs kind of line be so dominant in the offensive zone when they're cycling the puck. I would say since the Sandine days. Um Matthews and Marner, like early in the season, Keith was talking about how well they they check and how well they can force turnovers and how he felt like having Thornton there kind of will kind of bring that out of them. And I feel like Marner and Matthews and there'll be some of I'm sure that there'll be a star today um, in our three stars. But I just feel like those those three are are playing so well together. And today they were they were lights out. So that actually brings me to my and Thornton has eight points in eight games. So. I mean, he's on fire right now, but that'll take me to my first star, and I'm going to go with the very obvious answer, and I'm going to go with Austin Matthews. I mean, he's at 16 goals right now. He's absolutely on fire. I felt like last year, and actually even preceding years before that, there there were times where, as, there were games, sorry, that Matthews could go, and you just, he would be very quiet, and you wouldn't really notice him. Um, especially in his first three years in the NHL, where you didn't wouldn't really notice him, and then he would score. And I think last year we started to see it, and this year, like every single shift that Matthews is on the ice, you know Matthews is on the ice. 
whether he's back checking well whether he's winning a battle in his own end whether he's throwing his body around whether he's making these little nice chip plays to marner that get them up into the zone um, and then obviously the, the goal scoring touch so i just think he's been so noticeable and obviously the points are starting to follow now and he's pretty much the even strength king this year and, and obviously he's been a very good even strength scorer in the past so i just love the consistency we see from his game right now from shift to shift so easy first star for me is austin matthews and i think he should have been a baseball player because he's doing well in three game series he had five goals in the three game vancouver series and he has five goals in that three game ottawa series so four points tonight two goals two assists Came close to the hat trick in the first game too, with and he added assists as well. So just a great series for him overall. I'm just doing the math here. It looks like he had eight points in the three games. Uh, this is a guy who's just getting shot after shot. Yes, he's with two great passers, but just been a treat to watch. He's taken a real step defensively. He looks stronger. Uh, I, I thought he played really well defensively in that two-one win. Um, so I think it's an obvious pick. I'll let you go again here, Nick, with your second star. We'll do a we'll do a snake draft this week. Yeah, I'll actually I'll go with the second most obvious answer, and it's going to be Mitch Marner. While we're talking about that first line, I think it just flows well. Um, I mean, yeah, I think that since since actually the contract his um, his ten point six million dollar contract was signed, he's gotten like oh, I think it's ninety four points. I was looking it up actually earlier today. He's had ninety four points in under 85 games since he signed that contract so last year including this and obviously this year so he's almost going to be getting his 100th point um since signing that contract it probably will come by at, at this rate it will come next week so you know him and Ma- him and matthews right now their chemistry is through the roof like this these past three games like they look like the sedin twins out there like how well they know each other and they're on another level right now. I think they've kind of separated themselves um, from the other lines, like pretty easily. And even from Tavares and Nylander, like like Matthews and Marner have kind of cemented themselves as the two best players on this team. I think right now, and um, you know it's really fun to watch. So he's he's leading the team in points right now, um, and he's been excellent. Like I think that contract at first looked a little bit kind of questionable, but I think he's really growing into it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the first line, all three members were kind of the obvious ones for the three stars tonight. The one thing I'll say about Marner is that, like, he is so good defensively. I think he's, like, Matthews gets a lot of credit uh, defensively, but I think Marner might be even better. Like, he's so good at takeaways, so good in positioning, such a smart player, very good penalty killer, um, just a very complete player. And, you know, they put him out with Tavares there at the end to try to get him going, and Tavares did score, so... It'll give Marner some credit there as well. So, yeah, I think we kind of, you know, we we took care of the easy ones. I'm going to, we're doing the snake draft. I'm going to lump my second and third star together. Um, Guys that maybe, I don't really think there's an obvious picks tonight. Like, I think it's just first line and then you can kind of go with whoever. Uh, I'm going Morgan Riley and Jimmy Vesey. Couple couple surprises. Couple guys that haven't really been having the great seasons, but... Uh, just looking at Riley by the numbers tonight, he led the team in terms of expected goals against differential, 88.5% of expected goals, uh, which is great. Basically, wasn't on the ice for any chances. Um, they outscored the Sens 3 nothing when he was on the ice at 5-on-5. Five five. I don't know. I, I just felt like it was a game where that pairing got in the right direction. Um, you know, it was actually the third pairing that Dermot Lettinen pairing that kind of got caved in tonight. But other than that, 
the Leafs did really well. So I'm going to say Riley just because it's been a bad year for him. I'm hoping this is a game that really gets him on the right track because the results were there tonight. And then with VZ, I think this was his best game as a Leaf. You know, he didn't score. No, it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't like a highlight reel game for him. But he was stronger on the forecheck. I think he kind of knows he, he has to step up here with, you know, we'll get to Galchenyuk later. But you bring him in. You bring him in. Sorry. You bring, like, the fact that Boyd's off to such a great start. Uh, you know, I thought Patan was fine tonight. The way Spets is playing. Like, VZ kind of knows he's he's got, you know, limited rope here in terms of, you know, making a name for himself. I thought he did play better tonight. Uh, I don't know if I'm, you know, I'm not saying he should move up in the lineup. I, I don't really like that third line. But um, I'll give him some credit tonight for, I think, what was his best game as a Leaf. I kind of like this. You're being the uh, the good cop for once here. You're, <laughs> I, I like that. But you know, you 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 mentioned uh, Boyd playing well. I think Patan was great tonight too. Um, you know, I I mean the other games Patan has played, I think he's played better than he was today. But I thought he was good today um, as well. Not to mention Wayne Simmons is obviously injured. Seems like he's going to have you know a spot on this team when he comes back, based on how he's played. And Nick Robertson, who we'll talk about later. Um, you know, is kind of knocking on that door too with his play with the the Marlies and and the upcoming OHL season and whatnot and the decision that needs to be made. So, I think Jimmy Vesey definitely needs to kind of step it up. I thought he was pretty good tonight. Uh, I think it's interesting that uh, I don't know who was tweeting it out, but it looks like uh, Keith and the coaching staff have been talking to him one on one. Don't know how much to really put into that or how much to really you know. How important that really is in the grand scheme of things but i do think he needs to step it up so hopefully this is kind of the a sign of some better things to come um and with riley i thought he was good tonight i, th- I thought the whole team was good tonight but uh you know like you said it hasn't been a good season i thought that game monday with the collapse i thought riley was really bad um and then just I- i've been really watching this year this riley brody pairing and i've really been watching how they manage their entries and right now opposing teams are pretty much exclusively gaining the line i don't have a percentage or something but it's easily over 60 percent under 80 percent somewhere around 70 percent of entries (laughs) are being are on that left side on riley's side so obviously he's always had trouble with gaps and stuff like that but um, i think this year now that he has a partner that has a really good gap and denies entries pretty well in TJ Brody. It's it's kind of obvious right now where where the defensive liability is in that top four. And and Riley's never been good defensively and but uh you know, I think this year it really sticks out because of how steady they've been on that back end. So um I think we're all rooting for Riley, but uh you know, we definitely want him to to kind of step it up on that end. He's never going to be elite, but you know, you want it to be at least at least even, I would say, like at, at least not a not a liability out there, so I, I I can't knock you on that pick. Yeah, I think you know he hasn't had the best season. The defensive concerns are still there. I'm just picking him for today. We'll go. <laughs> I think we we kind of talked about it last podcast, but we'll uh, yeah. We'll I guess we'll get that. we'll we'll get to that OT loss in a minute here. But let's hear your third star first. Yeah, I'm bad cop today apparently, but uh, my third <laughs> my third star I will go with Michael Hutchison. Um, I thought he was I thought he was fine tonight. I thought the first two goals he did look a little shaky. The third one I thought was really unlucky for him hitting off Letton and Skate. Um 
But other than that, I thought he was pretty solid. He made the saves he had to make. He made that pretty crucial save at 5-2 on the breakaway. Um, I can't remember who it was on. And I think we got to cut him some slack. Like his last game was against Dallas in the playoffs, September 4th. And he played three games that week. And then before that, like he didn't play since March. So I think we got to cut him some slack today. He gets the win. He faced a ton of shots, whether they were high danger or not. He still faced a lot of shots, and he got the win. So I'm going to give him a start tonight. Yeah, I don't mind that. The first one was, it was kind of weak. It wasn't that weak. Um, you know, Tim Sluts is a heck of a player. Um, he scored that one. But I think any Hutchison win, you know, he deserves a star because <laughs> he did face a lot of st- he did face a lot of shots. People forget, this, is the, this was the fourth string goalie heading into the year. He's a very good fourth string goalie. Um, like, I don't know if you've looked around other organizations, what their fourth string goalie situation is like. Obviously, losing Aaron Dell on waivers was, was tough, but was kind of uh, bound to happen based on the injuries around the league. Um, but yeah, it was, you got the win. We'll give him a star. I'm rooting for him. Like, I, I want him to succeed. Uh, I know Jack Campbell seems to be getting close. Like it, it looks like that. It might be another week or two, but um, yeah, like, Big win for him. Anytime he can come in and get a win. Obviously, that's been a problem in, in previous years before the Campbell trade, uh, getting wins from the backup. And, you know, it was Ottawa. I know Ottawa didn't have great goaltending themselves, but, you know, we'll take the two points. I so, think I know you're big on uh, those Sporkle, the Sporkle trivia site. So I want mm-hmm. you to construct a Sporkle on fourth string goalies around the league, and we'll see how <laughs> I do on that. I think it'll be under 10% on uh, so. how I'll do there. One, so a couple other things I wanted to note from tonight's game uh, before we move on to that heartbreaking 6-5 overtime loss. Um, I guess the, the, the negatives for tonight, the dermot Lettinen pairing got crushed. It was their first opportunity together. Um, so Dermot got outshot or in terms of shot attempts, 10-36. to Lettinen, it was 9-34. to um, And that's against the Sens. So basically when they weren't on the ice, the Leafs did really well. Um, but not that it tells the whole story, but I mean, expected goals weren't great either. Um, so yeah, a bit of a rough night for them. Um, obviously Bogosian got the, the night off. Um, the other thing I would say that I wanted to point out, Nick, two things. One is, uh, Josh Clokey, or I think it's, it's either Clokey or Cloak. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but of the athletic, uh, he had a tweet after game two. And he had said, Morgan Riley's 2018 of ice time was not only his lowest of the season, but lowest since November 2019. And looking tonight, that, so that was 2018 last game. Yes, he five was on 20, five was low. Yeah. 2017 tonight. So they are playing him last, and it was the second half of back-to-back. Just something to watch. I don't read too much about it, um, but we'll see. Like I, I do think he's going to get his regular shifts. He'll play more when there's power play time. I think sometimes totalized time, you know, he's not penalty killing right now some games because they do have, you know, Muzzin, Hall, Bogosian, and Brody. Um, so maybe that's the reason he, his ice time is going down if they take a lot of penalties. But I guess the last thing I want to point out before I throw yeah, it back I'll to quick, you is... Yeah, I'll quickly push here um, where even his 5-on-5 five five was pretty low tonight uh, in comparison to both to most nights. But when you look at that last Montreal game, I think those are kind of your games where... Like, you're icing your best lineup, and Riley led that game, like, all players, all players on the Leafs with 5-on-5 ice time. So, I think Saturday will be a really telling tale with that, Um, and obviously these games are against Ottawa, but it is something to watch, for sure. 
Yeah, I don't think if this is Montreal game, Letton is playing close to 18 minutes. So that's probably second half of back-to-back against Ottawa and a blowout. That's probably why. Like, looking at it, Matthews didn't even play 17 minutes. They, you know, that's not happening against Montreal in a close game. Um, the other thing I'll say is Kerfa. I did think he looked better with Tavares and Nylander. I'm just going to say the caveat here. Pretty much everyone in the league looks better with Tavares and Nylander compared to, say, Mikhaev, Engvall, or Vizi Mikhaev. So I, I just think you can't really put him on the wing long-term because you need a good third-line center. Could Thornton do it? I don't know. He's looking pretty good on that first line, so I don't really want to touch him right now. I wouldn't mind. I want to get your thoughts on, I guess, Kerfoot very quickly, but also the lineup tonight. What did you think of Kerfoot going to the second line? What did you think of that third line of VZ Engvall Mikhaev? Well, when it comes to Kerfoot, I think, like you said, it's you're always going to look better with Tavares and Nylander, but I thought Kerfoot tonight looked better with Nylander and Tavares like, you look better than when Mikheyev was in that spot. You look better than when, um, who else has even been there? Obviously, VZ. When VZ was in that spot, he didn't look great. Mikheyev didn't Simmons look great. Simmons for a bit. Simmons, I thought, looked okay. It just was such a small sample, but um, I don't want to put too much into into Simmons there because I, I thought Kerfoot kind of looked better but just didn't get the results, obviously. Like, Simmons got some goals and, and had mm-hmm. some points there. So I think that kind of elevated him in, in kind of the eyes of a lot of people in that role. Um, to me, I think he's still kind of part of that mix in terms of who's going to play there. Um, but yeah, it's it's the downstream effect in terms of putting Kerfoot there. Like, who's going to play third-line center? I don't mind Engvall there, but definitely not something I'd want to go into the playoffs with. Um, so that third line... Like, I think the third lines look best when it was Engvall, Kerfoot, Mikheyev thus far. But there's so many guys right now. Like, I, I would love to see Boyd there, um, get a shot there. Obviously, Galchenyuk, we're going to see how how that kind of comes. And then once they kind of sign this top six forward, which we'll talk about later, then you kind of see the downstream effect. Does that mean that that top six forward is going to play on that third line? Does Hyman drop down to the third line? So we'll talk about those implications in, in, in a bit, but I think for now it's just kind of a third line. That's, that's kind of like a make do given their injuries and who they're missing. Um, and I thought it was okay tonight. Yeah. Like I think, as I said earlier, it was VZ's best game of the year. I'm not expecting that every game. I do like when Engvall's on one wing and Mikhaev's on the other because they're both fast. They both carry cover so much ground. Like Their wingspans basically cover the whole ice. And they're good on the forecheck even though they don't hit. Uh, I think you know their forechecking is underrated because of that. And you know whether it's Kerfoot in the middle, I wouldn't mind trying Boyd in the middle just to get a look at it um, to see if he can kind of do what Kerfoot does on that line. Uh, it just works. I know it's it's more defense first. You can use it against McDavid like they did last year um, because they do have a lot of speed. And, you know, all three of those guys play on the penalty kill. Um, just something to watch. It, it lets you kind of go with a more offensive-focused fourth line, which guys like Boyd and Spets are, are, are good at. Um, so I wouldn't mind going back to that. I don't really like the line they used tonight. Um, I, I just don't think there's enough playmaking on it with VZ there instead of, instead of Kerfoot. But... Um, it was the Sens. You could try some things out. He also rested some guys. Um, just, uh, I don't know. It, it's the Sens. I think with whether it's exactly. Thornton on the first line, whether it's, you know, we can't really take too much away positively because it's the Sens. So we'll see what they do against Montreal on Saturday night, and I guess we'll go from there. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the overtime loss to the Sens. <laughs> They're up 5-1. Everything's going great. Um 
what is just your takeaway? Obviously, it sucks. I think that's kind of the, the first takeaway. But do you read anything else into that? I don't know. I, I didn't. I wasn't that upset after the game. And I think it was because, like, we've seen, we almost have a pretty decent sample of collapses over the years from the Leafs. And I would rank that one, like, pretty low in terms of how angry I was after that game. Um, it just felt like a lot of goals were going in. Like, even when you look at the goals, like, they're done on a power play and the the, the person comes out of the box and it's a perfect uh, breakaway for them. The kind of, I think it was VZ lost his stick. He goes to the bench and then it's a partial two-on-one that they get an empty netter pretty much because um, it was a nice pass. Um, I can't even remember. It feels like it's it's on Monday. But it just felt like each of the goals was such a random thing. Obviously, the OT winner, you know, Marner loses, kind of falls down. Riley doesn't check his shoulder. And then um, Dadanov has a, has, a, has a breakaway. So it was just very odd, like, like once-in-a-lifetime goals, I felt. that, And everything kind of was going in. Um, I didn't think Riley had a great game. I, I thought that Anderson could have at least given them a save. But I just didn't think that it was really... I thought it was a little loose the way that they were playing, but I didn't think it was as bad as other collapses we've seen. And that that almost sounds sad to say that, you know, we have such a big sample to, to even base it off of, but I wasn't that upset after it. Like you got a point, but you know, half of me is thinking like, how do you lose a five, one lead? But I mean, that's kind of just kind of a bleh feeling I had after that. Yeah. I'm completely over it to be honest. Like, First of all, it wasn't even in the stratosphere of the 4-1 loss to Boston. Like, no, one's no, playoffs, no, no. Yeah. one's a, a game against Ottawa where you get a point. There's no point to be had against Boston. Um, and then it wasn't the David Ayers game, the complete opposite. Like, that game they couldn't score, and just the Zamboni driver thing. Like, that game was way worse. Um, and, and, and just, like, I don't know, other than... Like, what's their worst-blown lead between 2013 that lost to Boston and Monday night? Like, I don't even know. Like, I, We I, could probably find look, one. <laughs> I'm sure you can find one, but compared to other teams, I think they're, like, right yeah. around average. They, they were right. bad defensively. But I think, as you said, like, the goals were so fluky. Like, the first two, so they're up 5-1. One's a, a Tavares giveaway on oh, the right. power play. The Nick Paul goal. Then it's, you know, a guy comes out of the box, Riley's not back, you probably should have put an extra defenseman on the ice, probably a little too aggressive. But the first two goals were the worst two, and I just don't know what the takeaway is from those goals. Like, the power play defense needs to be better. Like, we know the power play's been great all year. I'm not concerned about the power play defense. Um, and then Hyman takes a four-minute high-sticking penalty at the worst time. Just, again, a fluke. It's not like Hyman's taking way too many of those. It's just a fluke. Um, they had a really good kill. It was just a really nice goal at the end of it. Um, and then, you know, the guy bats the puck out of midair. Like, I don't really know. They were all just kind of, obviously, 5-1 lead to the Sens. You're expecting to win. Uh, I think they did, They could have had a better effort. Obviously, you'd like to have, you know, those first two back, especially the Navarre's one. But it, it wasn't like, it wasn't 5-on-5 five five defense that was that was the problem. You couldn't really blame any defenseman other than Riley on the power play. And I, I just think it wasn't like Marinson Gardner giving up pizzas in the last minute at five on five. Like it, it was kind of fluky goal. So that's why I'm over it. I still like this team defensively. Uh, I just, 
I think it's a fluke rather than kind of indicative of, of, of this team's play. Yeah, I, th- I think people were upset because of the snowball effect, like of, after all these years, and it's obviously the narrative that the Leafs are going to lose these types of leads, and it was 4-1, now we get a, it was 5-1, so I understand why people were upset. Um, but it definitely helps that the Leafs have gotten four points since then, and then when you look at the three-game series, they get five points out of six. So, you know, I, I think that kind of helps, I guess, heal the wounds a little bit. Yeah, and like in the grand scheme of things, it's one point, and it's a you gave up points to Ottawa rather than like Montreal. So that helps. And then certainly I thought that game last night, so that would have been Wednesday night, the two, one win. I thought that one was just huge. You knew you had Hutchison playing the next day, which, you know, I know it's still Ottawa. It's hot. It's uh Hogberg starting, but you know, you wanted to really get that one. They come out with a two, one win. I thought that game was just not must win, but you know, I really wanted that one, especially against the Sens. You know, just kind of get back on the on the right track here. Um, it w- it was kind of a, a, a lower scoring game, a lot different from the other two games, but uh, that game was certainly big. So I think you nailed it. Like those two wins were just were just just huge. Just getting back on the right track and that Montreal game again, low scoring. Those are going to be close games. I don't really take too much away from that, other than you know you would have liked a better effort from the third so i think all in all you, you can't complain too much about this team's right effort right now yeah and i don't want to play victim but i've watched ottawa play pretty much all the other teams in the north division this year and i think they played pretty well against toronto like i think their best games this year have been against toronto um they, they had that win against montreal um that was they played pretty well but like they've played really good against toronto for the most part i see like the effort is there um Obviously, I think that obviously the rivalry for them, like they're up for the games. And I thought that the game last night, so I thought Ottawa played one of the best games they played all year. And the Leafs come out with the win. And I think people were always expecting these, like a win like tonight, where the Leafs just blow out the Senators. But I mean, they're also they're they're a hockey team. They're a team too. So <laughs> as as we've heard, so um, you know, it's not always going to be a, a blowout every single night. And and I think Ottawa plays quite well against Toronto. So. Five out of six points, you got to take it. So you've said you've watched some Ottawa games this year. And as it so happens, this week, the Toronto Maple Leafs acquired a player who was on the Ottawa Senators this year. Alex Galchenyuk, he's been on, I think it's six teams in like the last three <laughs> years or something like that. Uh, they got him for Igor Korshkov and David Rosovsky. Nick, just your let's, let's hear your initial thoughts on that trade. Well... Um, you know, pretty much if you followed my work at all in the past or even this podcast, you would know that I'm not that high on Igor Korshkov. Um, it actually has nothing really to do with even the Debrinket thing or where he was drafted or when he was drafted. Um, just from watching, I've never really been on the hype train of Korshkov. I felt like um, he doesn't really do too many things away from the puck very well. I think that in battles, he's gotten better in the past calendar year or in the past year, sorry. Um, so... I wasn't too upset that they that they traded him. Uh, I think that if anything, he kind of his ceiling right now is maybe a third line winger, but I think he's going to be a fourth line to a fringe NHLer. Um, he's already like 24 years old, so uh, he's been pretty good producer in the KHL and with the Marlies. But um, you know, I, I'm just not buying it. I don't really see he's not a very good skater. 
Um, and like I said, away from the puck, I'm just not a big fan of him. When it comes to Galchenyuk, I, I think that he, obviously right now, I think he's an NHL player. And if there's any team that can fix his defensive flaws, I would hope that it's going to be the Leafs. And in saying that, like I don't think he's going to be some defensively responsible, stable player. I mean, he's already 27 years old. You know, he kind of is what he is at this point, but you hope that the system that the Leafs are playing can kind of mask those defensive kind of inability that he has. And that if he can come in and chip in some with some offense into the bottom six and kind of be a rotation player that they can have and even be an everyday NHLer, then I think you win this trade pretty easily. And obviously, Warsawski is pretty much a, a wash in this. So I think it's a win for the Leafs if Galchenyuk even plays, you know, even if he plays one playoff game, I think that's one playoff game more than Korshkov was going to play um, for this franchise, pretty much. Yeah, I will say that, obviously, Galchenyuk did pass through waivers, so it was kind of obvious the acquisition cost would be quite low. Um, but because he has passed through waivers, you can't put him to the taxi squad. We saw the team put Spezza on waivers to get that extra cap flexibility, so they can rotate him in and out of the lineup as, as they wish. Um, I don't know how long that lasts, but I think it's for about a month. Um, so that that is good. Um, Korshkov, as you said, like we, we watched him play all year with the Marlies last year. He is slower. He's a bigger body. I think he had like a 22% shooting percentage. Um, right. We, I think both of us have never been that high on him. He almost reminds me of VZ where he's not a great skater. He is bigger, but he's not that physical. Um, you know, he can chip in the odd goal, but he's not a great playmaker. He's not a great carrier. So I think probably a fourth line player. If that, I think he's, I think he's always been behind Engvall on the depth chart. Um, and, and the Leafs have guys like Batan, they got guys like, uh, Boyd, like it almost reminds me, you know, they traded Trevor, uh, Trevor Moore last year and you, you haven't really felt the impact, um, because they just keep bringing in new guys that are capable of playing fourth line roles. I don't think Korshkov's as good as, as Moore. So, um, the other thing is like, he probably doesn't want to come play in the AHL again, I'm guessing like you might want to stay in the KHL rather than play in the A. Um, so I don't know if the Leafs are going to promise him an NHL ice time. So maybe it gives him a chance to play elsewhere. If, if, they, if they, they clearly didn't really have him in the plans, if they're going to trade him for a guy that, that cleared waivers. And then in terms of Rosovsky, I think he, he makes 400,000 in the minors and I think they just want to play their prospects. So, uh, we'll get to the Marlies in a second here, but in terms of Gelchenyuk, uh, he's good offensively. It's surprising. He's got the second most points in the draft class. He's always had great hands. He's got a really good one-timer from the left side. You could tell watching him why he was a third overall pick. It's funny, Nick. I was kind of going back, and he's just a player that fascinates me. Like Going back and looking at the old takes, like people were outraged at that galchenyuk Verdomi trade. <laughs> and then they were out, Habs fans especially were outraged when he got cut by Team North America over Austin Matthews. Because <laughs> I, I think Galchenyuk was actually that team's only 30-goal scorer if he made it. Um, that was the year he got cut. Um, so he is really bad defensively by the metrics, um, like Kessel-like. Um, he's going to need to score to help the team win, but this team could use some secondary scoring, especially in that bottom six. Um, and he's not the third overall pick anymore. Like He doesn't have that pedigree. Obviously, he just passed through waivers. Like He's going to be motivated. He's kind of fighting for his NHL career right now. I don't mind trying him out, you know, like over guys like VZ Barabanov do think he needs to get better defensively, but it's not the Barry situation where he's like, Barry was a defenseman. 
you couldn't really shelter him because you had Riley. So, you know, it was a bit of a mess. Like, Galchenyuk, you should be able to give sheltered minutes to, whether it's on the fourth line against other fourth lines, whether it's heavy offensive zone starts, like, you can help your power play. You know, I'm just kind of, I'm interested to see it. So, I don't know. Trades are fun. I think this is a fun move. I think it, I'm very interested in it, too. And one thing I really wanted to hear was the way Sheldon Keefe talked about it. Because, like you said, me and you have been watching the Marlies for some time. And when Keefe was there, like, we've been watching kind of his post-game pressers and things like that for a while. And Keefe says it, it's such a cliche, but he says things the way it is. And, you know, when he says something, I kind of hold a lot of weight to it in terms of how he's going to deploy certain guys, what he thinks of certain guys. So I I really liked that Keefe said that, you know... Um, we're going to take a look at him. He's going to be kind of in that rotation, one of the guys that's going to be fighting for a spawn on this team. And that, to me, was kind of music to my ears. And the fact that they haven't played him, I think he was practicing this morning, and I saw a quote that said that Keith said to Galchenyuk, get comfortable here. We're in a busy part of our schedule. You'll get a shot to play. But let's just get it, get comfortable. I think he's working with probably the player development staff. And I think that... I think he's a he's he's obviously got that great shot. He's got a great offensive toolkit, and it's still there. Like you said, you can tell that he was a top five pick at some point. So I'm glad that they're not just throwing him into games because they don't really need to. Like this is something that I guess I'm not going to say it's a long term co- project because it's not. But there's no rush to put him in games, and it is a little bit of a project, I would say. So, and and I think we almost forget how much he fell off the cliff like in 2018-2019 he had 41 points in 72 games and then after he got traded to Pittsburgh and then Minnesota and then Ottawa and that's when he kind of fell off that cliff but he's not that far off being a 20 goal scorer in this league so I think there's definitely something there yeah I think like with Montreal obviously he had quite a bit of success because people were outraged at the trade Arizona, as you said, 41 points in 72 games. So at that point in his career, he had five straight 40-plus point seasons. Um, and then he goes to Pittsburgh. He doesn't work in Pittsburgh. Minnesota, it actually, he did score in Minnesota. Like, I think his, his five-on-five production was quite strong. Um, it was just 14 games. You know, didn't do well in the playoffs, that team. So, you know, went went to a fresh start after that. But you know, Ottawa, he only got eight games. I don't really know what to make of that. I think he scored in his first one, and he just barely got any playing time. I think they're in a spot where they're playing guys like Tim Stutzla. You know, that's going to be the priority. Um, they don't have all that many sheltered minutes to go around because they're Ottawa. So we'll see. Like, I just think it's a fun one. We'll see what happens. I think with Keith, he's kind of proven that you're going to get a chance to play. He's rotated guys in and out all year. Um, you know, it's funny you talking about the Keith quotes. Uh, after the trades, because I'm just remembering the Babcock co- quotes after the trade. <laughs> Muzzin, remember Muzzin? Um, just Patan, it seemed like it seemed like Babcock was pissed when Patan got <laughs> traded. It was like, okay, I'm going to try him at center, and then we're going to lose, and that's it. I don't know, just, uh, just funny. Well, one thing that is good is that when I look at the outlook of that bottom six right now, you do have a, a decent amount of defensively responsible players. Um, you have Engvall there, you have Kerfoot, you have, I would say, Mikhaev. Mikhaev. Yeah, I mean, so I think that bottom six right now needs some offensive creativity and and someone who has a pretty good shot like Galchenyuk and, so, and, and someone who could help them in the offensive zone. 
So I think best case scenario with Galchenyuk is short term anyway, like talking about this year, is that you put him on a line with let's say let's say they try him on the third line and you put him with Kerfoot and Mikheyev and those two guys can kind of really carry the load in, in, in the defensive zone and when you get to the offensive zone, Galchenyuk's kind of offensive skill set can take over and kind of kind of really help that line in its own right. So I think that's kind of like the best case scenario for this year. Yeah, I think too, like, if they have an injury, like, say Nylander gets hurt, like, they need someone with some sort of offensive skill to, to play with Tavares, like, as a plan B. And there's just no risk. Like, the only risk is that he's bad and you misevaluate him and you play him. Like, as long as, as long as if he's bad, you scratch him, like, there's no risk. Like, you won't count against the cap if he's on the taxi squad. You know, you didn't really lose anything in the trade because you could have got him on. You could have got him on waivers, right? So, um, just a low risk move. I don't know. Like he, he does legitimately have to prove himself defensively and win battles. That's going to be the biggest thing. Um, but I, I'm excited to get him. I'm excited to see him getting a chance whenever that is. I don't know if it's going to be against Montreal. That would be kind of fun against his, you know, the team that drafted him, but. I'm guessing it'll be after that. It might be one of those Calgary games. It might be an Edmonton game. We'll see. Um, but I'm excited. Like, it's a trade. I'm excited to see a new guy out there. Um, I, I don't know who's coming out. I guess maybe VZ. We'll see what happens. But uh, just, just some good depth. So let's get to, I guess you want to talk about another guy, Michael Grandland. Uh, Elliot Freeman's mentioned him as someone the Leafs could be interested in. Any thoughts on Grandland? Yeah, I can't even remember if we kind of touched upon who we thought the Leafs would be trade target. Did you mention him? Yeah, he was my guy. He was your guy, yeah. I, I had a feeling that you mentioned him. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's interesting because he is an undersized guy. Um, one thing I really like about him, like obviously he's creative in the offensive zone. Um, he's got a pretty good shot, but really just his playmaking and craftiness in the offensive zone is what his kind of calling card is. But one thing, I've been watching him a little bit more this week. Um, and one thing I do really like is how he can play in between checks. Um, he's a guy that's pretty good in front of the net. Like he's not really going to win battles in front of the net, but he's just kind of one of those guys that, that finds those soft spots, gets in between defenders and, and can win pucks in, in front of the net. So I think it would be really interesting if he did join the Leafs. Um, I don't know what a trade would look like, but I think that if you could put him next to Tavares and Nylander, and I think that line would be pretty good. Um, that top six looks obviously pretty good then. And then I wouldn't be surprised if Keefe went back to that Hyman, Kerfoot, Mikheyev line that we saw earlier this year. Um, and then you have a top six that's kind of rolling, plus that third line that they seem that they wanted to work out. So uh, I could see it happening. I just don't know what a trade would look like. Well, he's a rental, so I think it would be like a second in a prospect. Like, I don't know, Joey Anderson, Philip Hallander, something like that. Right. Um, I think he's been... Like, I mentioned him last podcast, so I won't repeat myself too much, but I think you need two really strong transition players with Tavares. Obviously, Nylander's one. I think you need another one. Like, he is obviously not known for his speed, Tavares. He's still really good down low in the offensive zone, but you got to get him there. So I think Grandland, he is smaller, but he is that guy that's really good at transition. He's a very good playmaker. He's someone who really put up a ton of points in, in Minnesota, like 69 and he had 67 in 77 games. And he had 49, but only in 63 games. The point production's kind of dried up in Nashville. Their power play is dreadful. I don't know if that's the reason or if it's who he's playing with there. 
But this is a guy with easily 50-plus point potential, if not 60-plus, um, especially if he's getting you know time with Tavares and, and Nylander. It's not like he was playing with you know Crosby in Minnesota. They don't have really star centers. Uh, a former ninth overall pick. Um, he, he's always had good impacts. It's not just the numbers. Like he's he's pretty good by RPM, and I think he's got like he, he makes something in the threes, I believe. So if if they retain fifty percent, which is kind of common at the deadline, uh, the Leafs can definitely afford that. So I just think it's it's a player who they can easily afford, and and a player that should be available because Nashville's been awful. Uh, I am wondering now if Friedman is getting his scoops from the podcast, Nick. Like, <laughs> I think he might be listening to everything Leafs. I know. We should have Dubis next on the uh, as our guest. Just let us Maybe. know if it's true. Maybe. We'll, we'll try. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have some conversations, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. Yeah, I know. Uh, but... Let's get to the fun part of the show. That's what I've been waiting for. All right. The it Toronto is. Marlies, they're 2-1. and one. They had a tough loss tonight. Uh, they outshot them by a mile. I'll give you the floor here. What would you like to say about the Toronto Marlies? I'm going to say a really kind of blanket statement here is, is I think it's really cool to see like their coach, uh, Greg Moore, right now has them playing a style that's quite similar to Selden Keefe's. Um, and I think we went years and years of watching. Like I used to almost like watching the Marlies more than the Leafs, especially like two years ago and their championship year because they were playing just a lot more kind of subtle hockey, pretty much what you see the Leafs playing now in terms of style. And then you'd watch the Leafs, which is kind of that run and gun, rush hockey, the stretch passes and etc. So I think it's nice to see very similar styles um, being played from the Marlies to the Leafs now. And I think it makes it easier that when, you know, a guy like Robertson, who has played a few games with the Leafs and gets to go down with the Marlies now, you can play a very similar style and it's a lot easier to kind of transition from team to team that way. Um, in terms of their team, I really like their top six forwards this year. Um, you know, they've got, they've got Brooks, they've got Agostino, Robertson. I've, as you know, I'm a big fan of Rourke Chartier. He's kind of like my, my <laughs> underdog favorite right now in the Marlies. I actually wanted him as the fourth C, uh, it was either last year or the year before. So, um, I just really like that top six right now. Um, I know you're a big fan of Tyler Gaudet, who's been getting quite a few points. And, and you know, they've gone two wins out of three, and tonight they really deserved one. So uh, I really enjoyed them playing. And I actually want you to talk about Lilligren because I feel like we need at least two minutes just to talk about how good he's been. Okay, so on the Marlies, I don't think they're that good. Um, I don't think the Manitoba Moose, who they've played the first three games, are good at all. They're terrible. I just don't know how good the other teams are right now because there's taxi squads this year. Um, and, and that's really impacting the HL. Plus, they didn't start on time, so I think more guys went to Europe. So I'm just not sure if everyone's worse or if it's just these two teams that are noticeably worse. Obviously, with the Marlies, like they were supposed to have Batan, they were supposed to have Boyd at the start of the year. Uh, those guys are up with the Leafs due to injuries and, frankly, due to how, they, how they've been playing. Um, so they are a bit thinner than I think I'd like. I don't know if they're going to hold up against good teams, but... As you said, the top six has been pretty good. Um, I, I think, I do think Lilligren's been their best player. So he's a guy that I think everyone is kind of looking at this year, thinking he has to have a big year. Like this is his fourth year with the Marlies. He's he's not old. Like he's a '99, and we, we kind of saw with Justin Hall how long it took him, and and even like I don't know when Brody came up, but. Sometimes it just takes defensemen longer. I think with him, like, 
his first year, so he came to the AHL right off the bat from the draft as an offensive defenseman, and he was really timid. Like he was, he was strong defensively, but he wasn't really like a game changer offensively. He didn't really live up to the hype offensively. It was more, you know, he's pretty impressive and held his own defensively. And then I think the second season was kind of the same thing, where it wasn't great offense, but it was it was fine offense. And then it was, you know, he's not that bad defensively. He's better than expected. Now the offense is coming. He had 30 points in 40 games last year. He's off to a good start this year with four points, all assists in three games. Um, I actually think there was one where it looked like he scored, but they must have not counted it. Um, getting a bunch of shots. He actually had five shots tonight. Uh, just passing the puck way better. He's carrying the puck with a lot of confidence. I think early on in his AHL career, he couldn't really rush the puck that well, and, and now he's really kind of putting his shoulder down. He's stronger. He kind of leveled Cole Perfetti uh, yeah. tonight with a pretty good hit. So he just looks stronger to me. He looks like he's really on the right track now. In a, in a year where they're trying to win the Leafs and they have such a you know strong defense, I don't know if he's going to get a chance this year, but he, he, he does look like he's on track to be an NHL player. Um, just the way he's off. Like, it's a great start. Now, I want to see him against you know tougher competition, tougher teams, but so far I've seen everything I've, I've wanted to see from him. Yeah, I really liked his game. I think he really has carried out that defensive, you know, how well he's able to defend in transition. I think he's looked pretty good, um, you know, defending behind his net and breaking up uh, the cycle. And obviously, offensively, I think he's looked a lot more confident. So the points are there, uh, four points in three games. So I've really enjoyed watching him. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who Who has been your Marley that you've been kind of pleasantly surprised with thus far? And it's only been three games, but, uh, you know, it's our first week talking Marley, so we're going to dive deep here. Okay, so I think Lilligren's been their best, so I, I'd say he's a little bit surprised. Um, other than that, I you're going to like this answer. I think Matt Caldwell's been good. Mm-hmm. He's really flying around. He's really small, so I don't know in terms of NHL future if, if that's going to work, but, you know, he is... He is really showing me something offensively. Even though he has no points, he's been a good puck mover. He's just sipping around the offensive zone. He's one of the best skaters in the organization. Um, so I think he's been good. I don't know if it's going to lead to an NHL future. We'll see. But I do think it's going to lead to a pretty good AHL future, if nothing else. Um, other than that, like I thought Joey Anderson's been pretty good. Um, he's pretty strong. He's a fine puck mover. I think, as you said, that the top six has been okay. Like, They've, they've gone, they started with a Brooks-Anderson-Robertson first line, and they they flipped Robertson and Agostino, so Agostino was on that line. And they got Brazo on the second line with, with Charche, who you apparently are a big fan of, who's um, a good AHL player for sure. Um, you know, they don't have the same depth that they normally do, and I think part of that's just due to the, you know, the situation with COVID and taxi squad, and, and part of that's just due to injuries. But um, definitely... Uh, you know, it's it's good to be two and one, and and they heavily outshot tonight, even though they they lost. How about you? Any? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I like the Matt Hollowell one. Um, I've watched him a lot over the years, so I, I feel like it's it's nice to see him confident at this level. And even when he was playing, uh, I think it's pronounced Tuto or or in Finland, I thought that he was just so confident. He was a step better than pretty much everyone there. Um, so it's nice to see him kind of carry that confidence because I felt like last year he was way too timid um, 
and he's not really at his best when he's you know kind of sitting back and just making simple plays like he's got to be a guy that's trying to control the play which I think he has been um, and it really helps that he plays with Kivahame this year I, th- I think he's just one of the steadiest guys probably on the on the Marlies um, and last year he was playing like quite a bit with Harper so definitely an upgrade there um, yeah I'm trying okay, to think hold of- on hold on hold on we gotta stop the Kivahame talk we gotta talk about Nick Robertson we're getting to him that's first. that's where I was actually gonna get to him here a little late Nick but <laughs> Um, I know you. I know you were talking about the the Chito games. I never watched Holloway, Hollowell there. Holloway. Um, I know you have, and I always say you're, you're in draft mode here. Still in draft mode. I know you you were watching him on that instat, but have not seen him. I won't comment there. But in terms of Robertson, he's been good. I'm not like yelling to call him up. He's been he's been good though. Like they got to get him on his one timer side on the power play because I don't know what they're doing, not using that. But he's getting a lot of shots off. You know, he had four tonight, three in the previous two games. He did get his first goal. Uh, he almost had a nice assist tonight. He assists in the other two games. Uh, he's playing well. He wins a lot of battles for a smaller guy. Uh, he's been really good in terms of entries. I've been impressed with him there. Uh, I do think that defensively, because he is smaller, he's he's got some work to do. Um, if he's going to be average at the NHL level, like it just, it just comes with age. We saw that with Marner. But he is smaller than Marner. So I think he has some work to do there. Uh even though he has a very good shot, he's not converting that much yet. I think the, the goals will come a bit more. But um, so far, so good for a player his age in the AHL. It's a, he's off to a great start. He does look like their most dangerous forward, if not one of their most dangerous forwards on most nights. So um, I just like getting him the ice time, getting him the opportunity. He's playing on both special teams. I'm, I'm fine with him on the Marlies for, you know, 20-plus games. Now, I know that the OHL is... Like might start up or something. I haven't really kept up with this news. Is is Robertson able to stay with the Marlies if the OHL opens up? We'll see. My no is the, is the assumption, but you know they don't have a very firm plan out right now. It's not supposed to be till April, right? And then you know the Leafs can maybe get around it where you know they call him up and then they put him to like a, I don't know if they could do like a short. You know what they did with Justin Hall when when Hall was not playing, they they put him down for like I don't know like, like a, a short conditioning stint. conditioning yeah. stint or something. Maybe they can do that. Um, but yeah, at that point, maybe they call him up to the Leafs, which is which is a while away. Yeah, I think that I would. Let's say they're allowed to keep him with the Marlies. Like I would actually like him to stay with the Marlies, um, kind of for the foreseeable future this year. Um, I think he fits well there. I think that the things that Robertson does really well, like shoot the puck in the offensive zone, um, obviously win battles. I think he's been really good in, in that regard with the Marlies. But the, I think I still think that there's certain things in his game, like passing in transition. Um, I think he's been carrying the puck fine, but as soon as kind of someone challenges him and and he has to make a pass, I feel like he stops moving his feet, and it's it's caused quite a few turnovers in this past three games. So I think there are things that he kind of needs to kind of work out of his game. Um, and obviously he's extremely young. And I, I think he can also work on his, his defensive play as most OHL players and junior players coming up can. So I would like to see him stay with the Marlies. And the Leafs, like, it's not like they're dying for him right now. They have guys like Simmons and Boyd and Patan and, and all these guys. And now Galchenyuk. So it's not like they really need him right now. So I would like to see him stay with the Marlies. Um, and the Marlies games are just 10 times more fun when he's there anyway. 
so maybe I'm being a bit biased, but I don't know. Yeah, I wanted to ask because I wasn't, you know, completely sure if they're even allowed to keep him there for that long. Yeah, I think he's going to kind of control his own destiny. Like, if he's playing well, they'll probably give him a, another shot and call him up, which I'd like to see. Um, but, he, you know, they don't have to. Like, they could give him a long stint with Marley. I'm fine with him there for at least five more games, and then, you know, we're going to have to reevaluate based on how he plays, basically. Like, that, so- that's kind of the... Uh, the assumption what would be your threshold for for playing well enough to get called up because like he's played three games there i think he's been pretty good without the puck he's point per game like if he plays this level for the next five games do you bring him up not not at five but if he's if he's even better then maybe like yeah um i don't think he's he's been good like he's their best offensive forward i would say like he looks the most dangerous to me but um like he, de- depending on what happens maybe but at this point like you got to try galchenyuk out right like so yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's it's gonna come i don't know chris johnson said it might come soon enough but you could bring him up bring him back down i don't know what they want to do but um yeah like I, I wouldn't mind giving him kind of an extended look there getting him opportunities on the penalty kill and, and first first unit power play time i do think he could probably play games for the leaves I wouldn't mind, you know, I do kind of want to get another look at him before playoffs. Um, but at this point, I'd probably give him like, you know, five, ten games, see how he does. Kind of just want to see how dominant he is. It's tough against Manitoba because they're a really bad team. Um, so I do want to see him against better competition. We'll see how he does. Uh, if he's still their best forward after, you know, at least, I would say, another three games. We'll see. Maybe he enters the conversation. But uh, I do expect him to be down for... You know, at least a, I would say a handful of games, but you know, we'll see. Things can change. We don't really know what's gonna, how guys are gonna play up in the NHL level and how he's gonna play. Um, are you ready for? I want to say one more thing before trivia, but I'll let you respond on Robertson there. Yeah, I mean, you know, nothing too too crazy that I'm gonna say here. I I, I agree with that. I think that they just there's no rush right now, and and I mean, I I think that with in the past they've been in situations where they maybe had to bring up their rookies. Um, a little quicker and I think with them like I mean they want their Marley team to be good obviously their number one thing is to win with the Leafs but I just don't think the the gap between like Robertson and the other kind of fringe guys right now is is that big if at all um, so yeah I don't mind him just staying down there kind of racking up the confidence racking up the racking up the minutes uh, played um, and you know kind of playing him a lot and then seeing what happens after a bunch of games so yeah definitely on the might, same page there might change your mind depending on how the Leafs play and how he plays but yeah i think For right sure. now at least we're fine with it um the one thing i wanted to say uh before we get the trivia was i was watching a mirror game today they were playing 8k bars uh kazan i guess it, i think it's a rivalry um <laughs> it's funny because i looked at the map and they look like they're like right next to each other um, oh, you you were diving deep there. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to see because it was a, I thought it was a rivalry, and I wanted to see how close they were, and they looked like they were so close, and then they were like eight hours away. Like, you just Russia is just massive. Yeah, um, that's the first takeaway. The second is basically they're like it was louder than an NHL playoff game in there. It was packed, like every seat. Uh, I would say about thirty percent of people were wearing masks. Maybe another thirty percent were wearing really their chins. Yeah, 30% wearing them on their chins. Like, no oh, mouth, boy. no nose. 
it was just like, why are you even wearing it? Doing um, the DJ Smith. I don't know if you saw that it, clip of him continuously taking off his mask. That was worse than that. Oh, boy. And then it was loud, like just chants. It was, you know, the European atmosphere. Um, and I was just like, wow, this is just, you know, they did win in the final seconds with like one second left. Um, so it was a pretty exciting game, even though it was 2-1. And, you know, they play very low event hockey. But um, just wanted to throw that out there. I thought it was funny. Are you ready for trivia, Nick? Let's do it. Because it does relate to another KHL player. All right. Okay. The Leafs traded Korshkov this week. He was famously the 31st pick of the 2016 draft. I think the obvious guy they passed on is, is Debrinkat. Can you name two other players from that second round that they passed on? He was 31st, right? Correct. Oh, God. Um, one sec. I have to get into that mode. So that was the Joseph Wool. Well, obviously, that was the Matthews draft. Yep. That was the Joseph Wool draft. Okay, so the, the uh, and Grundstrom was later in that second round. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I need, I need putting, players I'm, that they passed on. Okay, so I know one, but... Mm-hmm. I don't even think he's played in the NHL because I know he's a second rounder. Is Jonathan Dahlin or Dahlin? Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's one. I don't know. Oh, I loved him at, in in his draft year. <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't know if he's played even. Uh God. I'm trying to think of anyone else. Goalie. Think goalie. Max Jones was first round, right? That was. I know that was the same year. Uh, yeah. Max so this Jones is a goalie that a lot of people wanted at thirty first. And he's been good. He's worked out. Pretty sure Hart was a first rounder. No, he was 48th. That year? Yeah, that year. People wanted him. Debrinkat was the main one, but Hart was kind of the number two. Oh, I always thought he was a second. I always thought he was a first rounder. Yeah, the other guy I'd throw in there, Samuel Gerrard. He was kind of heavily sought after. But yeah, definitely uh, a draft to remember with that. Was that like the Nicholas Mietnin draft? I'm trying to look here. Yes, it was. So definitely a draft to, to remember, but good job on the trivia. You needed some help, but we'll, yeah. I think you get two. I think Darlene is, is worth two, Mark, so we'll give it to you. I'm looking at um, him now. He hasn't played an NHL game yet. He got traded. I know he got traded from Ottawa to Vancouver. I, forget yeah, cause he, I think it was for Burroughs. Because he was on that Utica team that the, uh, I think, Either that first year that the the, yeah, the Marlies played the Marlies him. played him. Yeah, yeah. Um, good prospect. Maybe uh, Dubas gets him now. He's twenty three. <laughs> All right. Let's do the last. Uh, the question before we leave here is, how many points do you need to be happy? We'll do the Montreal game on Saturday plus two games against Calgary next week. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna go safe again. Well, not really safe. I'm gonna go four. Um. I will say this. I, I think that that the the Leafs obviously are winning a t- bunch of games. Um, and they've obviously played Vancouver a bunch. They've played Ottawa a bunch. And I don't think they've played Calgary and Winnipeg a lot. Like, they've only played Calgary those two games and then Winnipeg won. So I think those two teams are going to be playoff teams this year. So I do see a little bit of regression, like, in terms of just overall getting points from the Leafs. Because um, I think those are going to be some tough games. So, um, yeah, I'll say four here, but I do want to see them 
get points against you know these next two these next two teams because I think they're they're definitely going to be playoff teams. But I guess you hope that like Edmonton won last night and Vancouver won last night. Like if the Leafs can hold on to first and somehow play Vancouver or Edmonton, I think they're laughing. But I think it's going to be Calgary or Winnipeg there. Yeah, we'll see. I'll go. I was going to say three just because I've been pretty happy with them, but I do have to say four because I want to win against Montreal. That's kind of the key, and then just split against Calgary. So the Montreal you, one's the key one. Yeah. Would you make any changes? I I know that we usually do the the what changes would you make, but I, I think right now there's so many moving parts. Like with with Hyman, we don't really know like if he's going to miss any time or if he's going to be there next game. But let's assume Hyman's not there. Like, what changes would you make? Assuming Hyman's not there, I would put Kerfoot back to the third line center, and then I don't know who you want to put at the second line. Like, I don't think they're gonna play Galchenyuk that game. Um, right. Maybe you go honestly. Maybe you go Vizi there, or you put Batan there in that second line. Um, and, and really, that's about it. Like, I, I would just go back to that. I like the Engvall, Kerfoot, Mikhaev line. Obviously, I'd bring Bogosian back in for Lettinen. Right. I mean, but yeah, I would, I would keep it pretty similar um, for now. I think if the Tavares line still isn't clicking after, you know, when we next record, we might have to talk about some changes. But for now, I would just do those, those minor tweaks. Yeah, I would actually try. So I would put... Uh... Kerfoot definitely on that third line. Like you have to have a pretty good third line against Montreal, like a team that's so deep, that's For so sure. organized. Um, I would try Boyd on that fourth on that second line. I think that's kind of it's an odd game to try that out. Um, but I definitely don't want to put VZ back there. Like we know what that's gonna ha- like what's gonna happen there. Um, and then I want to keep that Kerfoot, Engvall, and Mikheyev line there. So I'm gonna go kind of out on a limb here, and I'll say try Travis Boyd there. He's been a really good per sixty kind of scorer um you know i don't think he's gonna all of a sudden be like the maurice richard there but i do think that he could he could add something there for now anyways all right well we'll see what they do it should be a good game on on saturday um i'm sure we'll be recording either after that one or, or after one of the calgary games but thanks everyone for listening and we'll see everybody next week